morning. I'll try to enunciate clear. My bad. Um, we, uh, we're concluding a four-week series today uh, called Rooted and Growing. So if you've been with us, you've, you've kind of journeyed with us through this series. And if you're here for the, for the first time, um, then we are concluding a four-week series this morning. And um, we've had a chance to talk each week as part of this really build to what we're going to do this morning. We'll talk a little bit more about that. But, but as we've talked about where God's leading the church and where we believe God's leading us, really the focus has been more on who are we called to be. You know, what does it mean to, to be a community of faith in Christ that, that we call church? And so we've talked about rooted and growing. We've talked about those, those characteristics of, of growing in Christ, being rooted in prayer. That was our first week we talked about prayer. We talked about vision with Joshua and Caleb, remember, and, and their vision and seeing through the eyes of faith rather than the limited eyes, uh, human eyes that sometimes we have. So we've talked about prayer. We've talked about vision. Last week we talked about being exposed to the light of Christ. And, and not only in our lives, but how do we reflect that for the generations that, that come after us, for the, for the kids and the young people and others who, who have yet to come to faith? How do we not only receive the light of Christ, but, but share that w- with others? And what's that look like personally? And how does that reflect in who we are as a community of faith? Each of these are just foundational truths, scriptural truths of what it means to, to be the church, a gathering of people in, in Christ Jesus. And, and today we talk about commitment. And, and as we do that, I want to share something that, that for so many of you I know is, is, is so obvious and, and in some ways redundant, but it, but it bears repeating. And that is the story of this church, of Parish United Methodist Church, it, it didn't start with any of us. This is a story 125 years um, in the making. In fact, in 2018, as I've shared, we celebrated 125 years of the ministry of this church and under a few different names and a few different, um, certainly, places or, or, you know, locations of worship. But the story goes, goes beyond us. And, and so for some of us, that, for some of you that may be brand new here, maybe you've only been a couple weeks, you're still learning the story. You're still learning a little bit about, little bit about who we are. Uh, for some of you, you've been here for years, so you've heard some of that and you know some of that. And then there are others in this church that have been here for decades, that have been a part of this church story for, for a long time. But even then, you know, they weren't anywhere near the start of it. But, but we do have some of those folks that have been a part of this church for 20, 30, and 40 years. And later on in worship, there'll be some pictures that'll be shared, you know, on the screen. And, and you'll have a chance to, those of you that... that are around here a lot, might see some faces that you recognize a um, little bit younger than you know them now because the pictures are 20 and 30 and 40 years old, but, um, but some of that. And, and so I, I say all of that because one of the, the persons um, in this church that is one of, I call her one of the matriarchs of the church, that many of you know her, and that's Lenore Stewart. Uh, Lenore is, yeah, you can clap for Lenore. She's not in, she's not in here, but... Uh, Lenora will be here at 11:11 because she's always here at the third service. She sits right about there, and um, Lenora a couple weeks ago turned 97 years old, and um, is as sharp at 97 as any person you will ever meet. And you're about to see that. Um, but Lenora joined Parish Church, United Methodist Church, in 
September of 1970, um, a few months after Joyce Leonard, those of you know that Joyce and John Leonard, Joyce wanted to make sure I knew that she actually beat uh, Lenore by a few months, but, but they, they have been here for, for a long time, and, and that's valuable for us because Lenore helps share the story. She helps us know about some of the, the faith and the, 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 just the impact of, of Parish United Methodist Church many years before most of us were, were here, some of you many years before you were born. So um, a few weeks ago, John Godfrey uh, took a few moments uh, after, I imagine, likely after a prayer meeting, Lenore's here every Tuesday for prayer, and um, spent a few moments with her interviewing her, if you will, getting her to share some of the story. And he took some of that video and put that together for us to share this morning. So just uh, take a moment and, and allow Lenore to share some of the experiences of, of Parish United Methodist Church. Dave. Lenore Stewart, that's S-T-E-W-A-R-T, and uh, we joined the church in the September of 1970. At times there would not be more than 20 or 25 people here, it was very small, and all local people. Borden led the choir, and uh, he tried to get everybody in the congregation to come up and sit in the choir and help with the singing, and I remember one Sunday when um, Borden was encouraging everyone to come up and sit in the choir. The only person left in the congregation was my mother. <laughs> because she, she played the piano, but she would not sing. <laughs> so when did the church realize it was time to build a new building? Well, when we started having uh, crowds at the, uh, uh, in the in the building, you know, too many people really to accommodate. And uh, there was just talk about we needed to do it, and then there was all this pushback from people saying, oh, we can't, we, we don't have the kind, that kind of money. Parish, it doesn't have that kind of money, you know. And building is so expensive, and we just can't do it. Well, we had, fortunately, some people who believed we could, and knowing them and appreciating their feeling about it and their dedication, and they were, generous with their time and their efforts, but also with their finances, uh, to see to it that we did go ahead and start the building. My personal feeling was that they might not make it, <laughs> because I heard so much of the negative side of it, you know, people saying they're expecting too much of us, and, and we just don't have it, you know. Uh, but evidently Joyce and Mac and some of the others heard the other side and, and uh, they were all for it and they said, we have to do this. I suppose the big beautiful building aroused interest and maybe even curiosity, I don't know, but it just seemed that it grew just like wild mushrooms, you know, just, it was just wonderful the way it did grow and the way people were so enthusiastic. I uh, was with a group of them, and I'm trying to remember, and it doesn't matter exactly when it was or what the context, but one of the women in the group said, 
I hate to see our church keep growing like this. I'm afraid we'll lose our family feeling. Well, we haven't lost it. We have such a family feeling in this church that it's, it's just like when the new people come in, they're just like new cousins. It's like, I like this family. I want to be part of it. And uh, that is so good. It's, I like what you're doing and I want to be part of it. <laughs> and I like that. I'm thrilled that we are able to share that with you because I know many of you, you know, don't know Lenore, and um, she is she is a, an absolute uh, treasure, and uh, and she's one of our our biggest um, cheerleaders for this. Um, and her her comment to me was, "I just pray that I, I live long enough to be a part of it." And I like Lenore. I have a feeling you got a lot of years left. Um, <laughs> But, but, and that is part of the story. We're going to come back to that a little bit later in the morning. Um, some of the things that she shared and thinking about some of that story that we are, we're building upon. But I want to, to first read, um, read our scripture this morning. It comes from Luke chapter 18, first eight verses. It's a parable that Jesus tells. And, and it may seem initially like a little bit of an odd selection for this morning. But, uh, but I want you to hear these words that Jesus teaches, the story he tells. Verse eight, or chapter 18, verse 1. Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. He said, in a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. There was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused. But finally he said to himself, Even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. And the Lord said, Listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? Brothers and sisters, this is the word of God for the people of God. Let us pray. Lord, that that question would be our challenge today, our our conviction that, that when you come, you will find faith. And that your spirit would be at work and alive through your people. Desire to serve Christ and love others. May that be the truth, the testimony of our lives. We pray it in Christ Jesus. Amen. Two boys were playing ball. Mikey and, and Timmy. They were throwing the baseball around, hitting the baseball. And inevitably, as sometimes happens... Timmy hit the ball, and it went through a neighbor's window. Anybody ever been there? I I have been there. And um, so they did what what little boys do and little girls in that moment. They looked around. What's that? Now, they didn't cry. 
They didn't cry yet. They looked, and they didn't run yet. They looked to see if anybody saw them. And they didn't see anybody except Timmy's little brother, Johnny. So they went up to Johnny. And Timmy said, listen, Johnny, I will give you a piece of candy if you promise not to say anything. And Johnny said, no. And he said, all right, all right, Johnny, I'll give you my baseball if you promise not to say anything. Johnny said, no. He said, all right, all right, listen, I will give you my brand new glove if you promise not to say anything. Johnny said, no. And Timmy looked at him, exacerbated, and says, John, what do you want? And he looked at him, and he smiled, and he said, I want to tell. Little brothers can be the worst. I got two of them. <laughs> and they can be the best too, but we won't tell them that. It is hard to change somebody with a hard heart. Little Johnny had his, and he knew what he wanted to do and he was going to do it. When somebody's committed, when somebody's heart's kind of closed to any, anything else, it is incredibly hard um, to change their, their thoughts and, and their opinions. This morning, this, this scripture is about a judge with a very hard heart. And that's what it says. It says, in describing this judge, it said that he neither, neither feared God nor cared what other people think. That's a double whammy. I don't fear any divine justice or retribution, and I don't care what anybody thinks. And, and it's an interesting character for Jesus to start with. Very few fathers or, or other figures in the stories represent somebody else. They represent God, represent, um, they represent others. Uh, this story doesn't, is not, um, doesn't represent anybody. The, the judge is not meant to represent God. It's not meant to, to point us to somebody. It's just an unlikable figure. That's all it is. It's just an unlikable person who is just going to do what he wants to do. And into that comes this widow who is seeking justice. She's seeking fairness. She wants the right thing to be done. And the judge is not going to grant her that. And so she does the only thing that she knows to do. She pesters him. She has no leverage. I mean, what, what Jesus wants to kind of make clear by using this this, this woman, as an example, she has no leverage because, A, in the society of the time, she's a woman. So she, she has no um, standing in the courts. Uh, unfortunately, as we've talked about before, you know, women were second-class citizens in the, in the court of law. And so, so she has no influence there, and she's a widow. And the implication there is she, she has no means. So, so she, because she would have been dependent, you know, upon a man for that. In, in again, in the societal structure. So she's got no influence. She's got no finances, no means. She has no way to, to kind of influence the decision of the judge because human nature is human nature. And, and there's, in every society and every culture, um, people of authority and power have always been able to be influenced or bought off. She can do neither of those things. So she does the only thing that she knows how to do. She won't let him rest. Day and night, she's coming. I want justice. I want justice. She's knocking at his door. You can play the story out. She's following him in the streets. She's showing up at his favorite restaurants. Whatever it is, she's there. I want justice. I want justice. She is absolutely pestering 
his hat off. I was trying to think of words I could use and not get in trouble. She's driving him nuts. She's driving him crazy. You know, and I was thinking about that. We, we know what it's like to be pestered. You've had somebody in your life that has pestered you. If you're a parent or grandparent, you've had somebody pester you. That's the nature. We all did it, too. I'm not criticizing. We all did it. You know, kids that ask and ask and ask and ask. And, and they don't outgrow it. They don't. When they become teenagers, it doesn't change. I have a redheaded daughter who, who lives. She's not here today, so I'll talk about her. So um, she, I, let me tell you what she does. Let me, let me tell you how, her M.O. is She will come to me very often. Let's say it's on a Monday. And Tony can testify to this. And she'll come to me. Now, her schedule, she's a senior in high school. And she has the cushiest schedule in the history of seniors in high school. She goes to school full days on Tuesdays and Thursdays, and she's done by 11 o'clock on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. I told her, so you better enjoy this. Um, and so she'll come to me a lot of times and she'll say, Dad, um, what you doing Friday? Uh, it's always the setup question. What you doing Friday? I'm like, I don't know. She'll come on, go to lunch? Which is code for, will you take me to lunch? Um, and so I'll say, I don't know. I don't know how my schedule's going to go. Let's wait and see. That's Monday. So Tuesday, hey, Dad, did you decide about lunch on Friday? I don't know yet. Just wait. Wednesday, hey, Dad, we going to lunch on Friday? Cassie, I don't know. By the time Thursday comes around, two things have happened. One, I've had it up to here with her questions. Okay? And I'll usually kind of go, leave me alone. But here's what also happens. By Friday, I take her to lunch. And she knows it because, A, she's worn me down, and, B, you know, that brain starts kicking in. Yeah, you know, she's going to go to college. I need to, you know, I need to enjoy these moments. Yeah, okay. And so I take her to lunch. So she, she knows how to, to kind of get what she wants to a point. I don't always give in. But, but, but it's, it's that kind of nature of just kind of where, yeah, persistence, ten, tenacity. I mean, you could call it a number of things. And Jesus uses this as a story. And he uses an example of prayer, the tenacity of prayer. But if we, if we think about it in a, in a broader spectrum, it's the tenacity of faith. It is the belief that we stay at something that we believe in our heart through a, through a heart of faith that, that God has called us to. We stay at a, a pursuit of faith and faithfulness. We stay at a pursuit of doing something that, that either that we feel called or that we feel led to do. But it's that that's belief that, that I'm not going to quit until, until we reach a goal. It is a deep level of commitment. And commitment is always birthed out of hope. Commitment is always birthed out of hope. Hope is birthed out of faith. So we see this, this trend, but we do things and we stay at things because we believe that something good's going to come out of it, that we're going to, to achieve and, and meet a goal or, or end up in a destination or fulfill a calling. We stay at it, and that's what this woman does. She stays at it because she believes she can eventually get justice, and she does. And Jesus says, we stay at prayer. We stay at our pursuit of faith. It doesn't mean everything always looks like it's going our way, but we don't quit because it's a tenacity of faith. It's a persistence. It's a belief that God's called us to something, and we're going to be faithful to that no matter the odds or the difficulties or the challenges. And, and human history is full of the stories of men and women who have exemplified that. I mean, you, you know stories. I know stories. I came across one I hadn't heard before about a, a man named Michael um, Blake. Uh, Michael Blake was a name was not familiar to me. Uh, he, he passed away a few years ago, but he was a screenwriter in Los Angeles. And he was an incredibly unsuccessful screenwriter. He had written 30 um, he had done 30 different um, 
created 30 different screenwriting scenarios or pitches, whatever they call them, and none of them had been accepted. He was homeless. He had no money. He would survive by sleeping on the floor of his friend's apartment if they'd let him or, or getting something to eat from wherever he could, make, doing odd jobs just to, to make ends meet. I mean, he had nothing going his way except he wouldn't quit. He just wouldn't quit. So finally, when that wasn't working, he took one of his, one of his um, uh, scripts, if you will, and he converted it into a book. And so rather than, you know, for the screen, he, he made a book out of it. And he got it published, and it sold about 30,000 copies, which is not a lot of copies. But it was something. And one of those 30,000 copies fell into the hands of an actor in Hollywood, a name that might be familiar to you, a gentleman by the name of Kevin Costner. And Kevin Costner really liked the book. And so he, he and the studio execs and however that world works approached Michael Blake, and they said, hey, can you turn this into a script? <laughs> no problem. And a year or two later, a movie by the name of Dances with Wolves was filmed. And that book that sold 30,000 copies has now sold over 2 million copies. Michael Blake went on to win an Academy Award. But in the aftermath of that, he would talk with homeless Groups. He would talk with um, children at schools. And his message was always along that line. Don't quit. Don't give up. Have hope. He believed that something was going to come from this gift that he had. And, and it took 25 years to get there. It was not an overnight success. Most of us would have said at year 10, 15, 20, 24, that you've, you've tried long enough. It's that tenacity of spirit, and, and, and Jesus calls us to a, a tenacity of, of faith, this example of this persistent widow. Don't, don't quit. Don't quit. Your father, who is not a, um, disc, uh, an uncompassionate judge, but is compassionate, just hears your prayers and is at work. Even, I think, if he can add me to, if you allow me to add, even when you don't necessarily see the evidence or the fruit of it, stay persistent. And that's, that's where I love the stories of those who have come before us, especially here at this church. I, I think about that, that scripture, which we'll connect to in a little bit, in, in Matthew 18, where Jesus says, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, why mustard seed? Because it's really small. If you have faith just a little bit, you can say to the mountain, move, and the mountain will move. And what Jesus is saying is, is that faith, even a little bit of faith, can do miraculous things. It's a little bit of hyperbole. It's an intentional challenge to say, with a little bit of faith, you can do remarkable things. And God can move in remarkable ways. And, and I think about that and I connect that to the story of, of this church that we are all a part of now. You are a part of this story that, that started in 1893 with a group of about eight people who planted a seed. And that seed was, was for a church. In fact, you can see on the wall right here out this door is the deed in 1889 to the property that became Oak Hill Methodist Episcopal Church South. Right there. In 1899 would become Parish Methodist Episcopal Church South. In 44, Parish Methodist Episcopal Church in 68, Parish United Methodist Church. The name has changed. 
but the story has been consistent. And over those years, I, I loved Lenore's story, and I've heard her tell it before of that Sunday when 25 people were in the congregation and they invited everybody up to sing in the choir and only her mom was left in the congregation. You know, because it's part of, of the, the tenacity, the, the, the desire to, to continue to, to, to be the community of faith that they'd been called to be. Numbers weren't as significant as a, a, a persistence of faith. And if you go back through some of the archives and you read some of the story, there's, there's a section, and I've, I've talked about it before, of the church history from the early 40s during the, the time of war when it says that the church was barely hanging on. In fact, it, it might even say it was hanging on by a thread. There was just a handful of people. A lot of the young men of, of Paris, like a, a lot of the young men throughout the country, had gone off to war. And, and the line says something like this, and I, I didn't commit it to memory, so you'll have to kind of grant me a little grace in the exact wording. But it says something like this. This, this remnant was committed to keeping the flame burning. They were committed to keeping the flame burning. A tenacity, a persistence, a, a consistency in prayer and, and faithfulness and living into this story that they were a part of that was at that point about 50 years in the making that's now 125 years in the making. We, we build on that. We build on the shoulders of a group of people that we've talked about that when it was 100 people, in a sanctuary across the street that said, we need to prepare for those who will come next. We, built, we, we, are, we are watering the seeds of their faithfulness. And in fact, that's, that's what Paul talks about. He, he, he says about that in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, when people are arguing about following him or do we follow Apollos, who, who do we follow? And he, and he says, basically, no, you follow God. He says, I plan Apollos waters, but God gives growth. But, but I have a role, and he has a role, and God blesses it all. But we are all um, God's building. In fact, that's what the language says. It's God at work. And, and so we've been a part of a ministry that, that waters, if you will, seeds that were planted before us. But now we're invited into a new role. A lot of us, it's a new role. Some of you, it's not. Some of you were here in the 90s when this step was taken. And, and Lenore will tell you, they didn't know how they were going to do it. That gives me a lot of hope because <laughs> it's daunting. But we're invited now to not only water what has been handed to us, the testimony, the persistence of the faith that has come before us from those who have been a part of this story, but we're, imparted to, we're invited now to be part of a new chapter, to continue to build on that and build on the very foundation of who we are. And, and, the, you know, and Lenore talked about that, that the church, even as it's grown, has maintained that, that connection and that family feel. And I hear that more than anything else when people visit. Oh, we felt welcome. We felt people, people spoke to us. They, they were glad to see us. Now, we don't always get that right. We've dropped the ball once or twice on that area. But, but by and large, that's, the, that's who we are. And, and so we're invited now to be part of seed planting for what will be the next chapter of our story and to be persistent to it and to be faithful to that and and so that's what we come to do and th and that's true for us corporately that's true everything that we've talked about isn't just true for us what's true for you God calls you and me to a tenacity and a persistence of faith that's called commitment that's all commitment is it's it's doing the hard things when it's no longer easy or comfortable it's doing it when you don't necessarily even want to do it 
Now, how many of you exercise and try to eat right? That's not always fun. But you do it because you, if you're committed to it. Sometimes we don't do it so well. But, but the point is, that's, that's life. We're called to that deep level of commitment that's rooted in prayer. That is... Um, birthed by a vision that God has given to us that's reaching and growing both in openness to God and to arms wide open to others. You notice in four weeks we've talked very little about building. We've had those meetings and we'll have those conversations, but it's not about that. If this is about just a facility, we need to stop now. We've missed it. This is about what God will do through his people through that. Our faithfulness, our tenacity to the call of Christ to reach others. As we conclude, I want to tell you one of my my favorite stories from years ago. It's about an artist who wanted to paint a picture um, that represented the call of Christ, the the challenge of of life and faith. And and so he he drew a picture of a storm at sea. And uh, in this storm, you see the evidence of a shipwrecked boat that had landed on the rocks. And the, the rain's coming down, the waves are churning, and there in the center of the picture is a, is a big rock jetting out of the water. And there holding on for dear life is a soldier, or a sailor, I'm sorry, a sailor, that is just holding on above the water, above the, 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 the storm that is, is surging. And, and the picture meant to represent life, the storms of life, and, and, and that very often among the, the, the difficulties that we find that rock, which is Christ, that becomes our rock and becomes our salvation in the midst of the churning waters. When he finished it, he looked at it, and he didn't like it. He felt he'd missed something, so he threw it away, and he painted another picture. Very similar to the first, storm clouds, rain, churning seas, boat shipwrecked on the, on the rocks. Same soldier still clinging to that one rock, but this time he's clinging with one hand, And with his other, he's reaching down to pull up a drowning sailor. That's our call. Not to be solely grasped to the rock ourselves, but to always have a hand free that God uses us to invite somebody else to take hold. That's why we do this. That's why we do this. So that we can be that community where there's room for the next person to come and to know the sure foundation, the the salvation that is Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this invitation of faith that you give us, but the call of faith that you challenge through us to live faithfully, to live obediently, and to, to be tenacious and persistent in this commitment to Christ and to living out your call. Lord, help us to do that with a passion and a joy. Because we are blessed and we are called to be a blessing. We pray this now in Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen. So let me 